0: Who stirs the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. What a stunning description of God. The Lord Almighty. The power of God. Who makes the sun and the moon and the stars shine. And who stirs up the very waves that we see here. But what is so much more stunning is that God, with all of this power, is now standing in the form of a man, Jesus showing deep compassion to this unnamed woman. Not just compassion, but his heart goes out to her. Jesus has this physical ache of deep sympathy and sorrow for the woman and what she has lost. How amazing is that? Just in itself, without knowing what happens next, that the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the sky and the sea, his heart goes out to this poor woman who isn't even given a name. After this, Jesus uh, goes up to the bier, the stretcher being used to carry the man on, places his hands on it and tells the man to get up. And then Jesus gives him back to his mother. I love picturing this scene, uh, this beautiful scene of Jesus giving back to this heartbroken woman, her son, now alive. Um, It's just wonderful. (laughs) And in this giving back process, Jesus gives the woman back, first and foremost, her son, But also her security, um, her renewed status, and her significance. Jesus has provided hope in what was a really, really hopeless situation. So, not only has the Lord Almighty, the one who makes the oceans roar, who places the stars in the skies, shown deep sympathy for this woman, but he has raised her son from the dead and, in the process, restored the woman, given back to her her son, her security. What an amazing man this Jesus is. But so what? I mean, an amazing event and miracle performed by Jesus. Um, what a day for that widow in name 2,000 years ago. She'd started the day off with the prospect of burying her son and having to start living a very different life to finishing the day having her son and everything given back to her. What does this mean uh, for us? If we look a bit more at Jesus' earthly life um, and why he came, He talks often of doing the Father's will and that he and the Father are one and that Jesus seeks only to do the will of God, his Father. And this will is summed up quite simply in John 3.16, that God so loved the world, so loved you, his children, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not die but have eternal life. Jesus achieves this eternal life when he died on the cross. How do we get access to this eternal life? By simply believing in Jesus' words, his teaching, believing in his death and resurrection. Again, let's, let's take a step back and really appreciate how amazing this is. God created the world perfectly and he created humans, Adam and Eve, in his image and they were the jewel of his creation. They were in relationship with God But Adam and Eve broke the one commandment God gave them, to not eat the fruit from that one tree in the garden. And since they first broke this, we have always turned away from God, not keeping his commands and ultimately ruining our relationship with God, putting distance between us. And because God is a God of justice, there are punishments for disobeying him, for sinning against him. But God loved us so much that he chose to send his son, Jesus, To take the punishment for us by dying on the cross. To bear that wrath and anger of God for us. To experience that separation so that we would never, ever have to experience that. And to have access to this, we're just called to believe in Jesus and what he did for us. But we don't just experience mercy from Jesus' death. We don't just get out of God's punishment, which is amazing anyway. Um, That the Lord Almighty chose to die for us. But through Jesus' death, we too, like the woman in name, can experience a new hope. Can find security and status and significance in Jesus. Our relationship with God is restored. We are made right with him. We can come before him and share in this loving relationship and all that comes with it. Completely undeserved. That is amazing grace the undeserved love and mercy of God. One of my friends explained grace to me like this. I'm speeding along the road and the police officer pulls me over and justice would be to give me the ticket, make me pay the fine, whatever it is that needs doing, I wouldn't know. Mercy would be to just let me off. Um, I didn't mean it, just, just carry on. But grace, grace would not just be to let me off. But the police officer would take the punishment for me and then give me a donut, even though I'd broken the law. And this times a million, billion, trillion is what Jesus does for us. He doesn't just let us off the punishment, but he gives us an inheritance, eternal life with God, to have the same status as Jesus, to be called a child of God, to be adopted into God's family. To find security in your new relationship with Jesus and to place your significance in Jesus Christ, your purpose, your hope. This means you can place your trust in Jesus, trusting that when you seek Jesus, he has dealt with your past. Trusting you can enjoy a relationship with him now and trusting that he has secured your future with him in eternity. Where do you place your trust? your hope for now and for the future. I place a lot of mine in my academic work, Um, to put it bluntly, that who I am is my grade. And this all came crumbling down around me a few weeks ago when I accidentally missed a deadline. Just thinking about it is getting my heart going. Um, I thought it was a different day. And all I could think about was that I'd failed. I'd been on track for getting a good grade when I graduated and now this was impossible. My present, my future, even my past, all the work I had been doing just now felt like it was nothing and useless because of this one assignment deadline that I had missed. Praise the Lord that after lots of emailing, I did actually manage to hand in the essay. But it was a pretty painful wake-up call um, for where I was placing all of my security, my status, who I am. That my first thought wasn't to my hope in Jesus, to my inheritance in heaven, but to that I was now a failure. A failure. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who places their hope and trust in these sort of things. And I want to assure you that it's not a bad thing to enjoy these things. We're called to worship God with this. Our work, our friendship, their gifts to us. God gave Adam and Eve work in the garden to steward the earth, to name and look after the animals, to be in relationship with each other. These are all good things, but placing your significance... Who you are, your identity in these things is not what we're called to do and will just result in a shaky and broken foundation which won't hold you fast and will crumble. But Jesus is a sure and solid foundation on which we can place our hope and trust, in whom we can find shelter, find strength and comfort, and in whom we can place our identity back to the passage um, and we see the people's response to what Jesus has done for the woman they were filled with awe and praised God I mean this does seem a pretty pretty natural response to praise the one who has raised your son back to life what a moment it would have been it's easy then to praise Jesus name it's easy when your emotions are so high and you're feeling so happy to praise Jesus' name It can be um, easy, not always, but a lot of the time, it can be easy here in church, surrounded by other Christians, to praise God's name and worship him. But what about tomorrow morning, when you wake up and realize that there's still no bank holiday this week? Or when you receive some awful news, or when you're arguing with someone, or when you're just not feeling it? It can be hard then to praise God's name. It can be hard then to remember all that Jesus has done for us in his death on the cross. And I get it, I completely get it, when I realized I had missed that deadline. In the moment, my response to God was just, why? Why have you let this happen to me? It definitely wasn't to sing his praises for what he's done for me. So instead, let our response to what Jesus has done always be one of praise. And let it overflow for all to see in a world where emotions can change quickly, where people are driven by how they're viewed, by their wealth, achievements, where people can quickly change their opinions of someone if they take just a step out of line. Let your constant response be one of praise, of forgiveness, of overflowing joy that you have eternal life waiting for you. And seek to tell other people of this amazing joy that you have. Don't bury this treasure. Tell the world about it. The Gospels are written with different audiences in mind. And Luke wrote with the audience of the whole world, the whole of humanity in mind, that Jesus came for everyone, to save everyone, not just the Jews or the Pharisees or a select group of people, but Jesus came as a savior of the world so that anyone who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. And Jesus, um, Luke wanted people to know this. This story of the woman at Nain is an example of this. Most likely she was a Gentile, someone who hadn't grown up knowing God. There's no sign of praise or acknowledgement of Jesus before he performs this miracle. Nothing to earn Jesus' miracle. But he raises this woman's son out of the love of his heart. Jesus' gift of grace isn't one that can be earned, but is freely given because he loves His teaching was different. People noticed that he was one who taught with authority and not like the other Jewish leaders. He teaches differently, and he does this because, as commentator William Hendrickson says, he spoke as the lover of men, as one concerned with the everlasting welfare of his listeners, and he pointed to the Father and his love. This is a radical love. Jesus has people's eternities on his heart when he is teaching when he is performing signs and wonders, when he hung on that cross, he had your eternity on his heart. Because he loves you so much, he wanted to offer you an eternity in heaven with him. And he came to offer that to all. He came as a hope to all people. How do you think of the people that you do life with? Is there eternity on your mind, in your heart? Jesus taught with one who had authority but with one who had the the love of the whole of humanity on his heart. Are you willing to live for Jesus, to live to tell people of this great love, of this great God who died, to take away the sins of the world and to offer eternal life to all? Because it is eternity that we're dealing with here, an eternity in heaven with Jesus or one of complete separation from him in hell. God has given you hope, on an even greater level than what he did for that unnamed woman in Nain. Giving you eternal inheritance. Giving you a living hope in which you can place your trust and find your significance. 1 Peter sums it up like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into into an inheritance that can never perish, will never spoil, and will never fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. As I close, I want to finish with this. Though this woman is unnamed in the Bible, she was not a name to Jesus. She was not just another woman. Jesus knew her and he loves her on such a deep and intimate level. It says in Psalm 139 that God knows us. He knows our comings and our goings. He knows our words completely. He hems us in behind and before us. He lays his hands upon us. He created us in our inmost being. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. This woman was fearfully and wonderfully made, and Jesus saw her. He cared for her in her suffering, and he went to the cross for her. I can assure you that if Jesus were a God who knew us, who saw us in our suffering, but did nothing, I would not be here talking about him to you this evening. But Jesus is a God who sees you, who knows you, and who cares enough for you um, that he would go to the cross to die for you so that you may have eternal relationship with God and have a place in Jesus' inheritance, which is kept safely in heaven for you. What an amazing thing to place your hope in. I'm just going to pray to close. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have placed them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.